man, I got a lot of guys to pray for, but we'll just pray for those right now, all right? Pray with me. Agree with me. Our prayers are not in vain. They're doing something the Father is hearing us. Father, thank you for hearing us. We come seeking, we come asking, we come knocking. We come knocking on the doors of heaven. I love that. We come knocking. Lord, you even say that in your word. That if a friend needs three loaves of bread and he comes next door and knocks on the door even at midnight, will the man not get up and give him three loaves? Not because he's his friend, but because he's tired of the man knocking. And Lord, you say the same if we keep and stay persistent in knocking at your door, that you will answer. That you will come through. And we come knocking again for our brother Austin. That you, Father, would fall on him. That you, Lord, would wrestle with him. That you, Lord, would look him in the face. That he would see your glory. He would see your majesty. He would fall like a dead man like John. And God, that he would be in awe of you. And that the glory would beam from his face. That he would have authority with those brothers. He would speak right into their lives. And even if it's for one or two, that he would sustain them. That he would empower them through your spirit. Be with our brother tonight. Let him feel the prayers rising to you. Let him have sweet time of fellowship with you, God. Let the prayer just be rich, richer and rich, as they get together and on their face. Let it be the sweetest time. Let the time in the Word just be manna from heaven. Prepare them, Father, to raise up an army there in the Marine Corps that would serve You and live for You. And Lord, I pray for Kent Hovind as he still sits in prison. Oh Lord, deliver that man. Please pull him out. When will the day come, Lord? When will the day come when the, the doors fall off that place and he gets out? He just wants to go home to his family, Father. And He wants to serve you and live for you. If there's more men that need to be saved, keep Him there. But Father, we would ask that You would pull Him out soon. That You would prepare Him for the mission that You have before Him. And Father, I pray for Tyler Bianco. Thank You for the work that that brother is doing. Oh, bless his socks off. Oh Lord, would You open the window of heaven and let sweet blessings just pour upon him. Turn on the faucet, Lord. Let him stand under and just be in your spirit and in your joy and in your love. Bless him for the great work that he's doing. I'm so proud. I'm so blessed that Timothy would go that far. Go that far to minister to just a few. Bless him, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 9 tonight. If you have your Bibles, Psalm chapter 9. If you don't have your Bible and you need one, well, get one if you can. If you can't, come talk to me and we will get you one. Money is not an issue, though it can be at times. If there is a need, it needs to be taken care of by the body of Christ. We are family. If your little brother's in need, you're going to help him. And we're a family. If I can help you, I will. And I know there's people here in the family that would love to help and love to encourage and love to bless in any way. So please, if you have a need, knock on heaven's door and watch what God does. Man, I was talking with a brother this morning. 
Stephen Thompson, one of the guys in Mexico. He says he's been hurting financially and he's been praying and asking God. And somebody just this week randomly, he just started talking to God more. Just Father, please. Somebody just walked up. Uh, his buddy, somebody gave to his buddy. Hey, give this to Stephen. God just came, gave him a hundred bucks. He said the Lord told me to give it to him. It's like, huh? Random, random. God isn't slow to take care of his kids. Absolutely not. He's right on time every time. And if you have financial needs, lift them before the Father and watch Him pull through. I have a testimony that would blow your socks off, which I can't even testify to you right now. I can't. But I can tell you this. (sighs) It just blows my mind. It's another one of those things. It's another one of those crazy, crazy, crazy things where somebody is just praying and God pours out like never before, where you just can't even believe it. God wants to do that in our lives. I think so often we're just scared to ask. Be people who know your God and spend time with Him. Like David, the man we're looking at tonight. You see David all the time asking, don't you? Always! How many times does he ask the Father? How many times does he cry out to God? Do Please, Father, you're going to see it tonight. Then he praises God when he pulls through and he asks again. Praises God, asks again. Tonight, the story we're looking at, there's kind of a foundation here. Behind the scenes, look at this psalm, what's happening. Some scholars say that this is David writing a psalm right after he's killed Goliath. Right after he's slain the giant. The reason why is because if you have the King James Version, maybe you don't. Um, I don't know in other Bibles, but in mine, right there at the top, it says, To chief musician upon... Muthlabben, a psalm of David. Muthlabben means what? Death of the son. Death of the son. And we know that who is the son of the Philistines, the one exalted, the great one? Goliath. And you kind of see the play on words here, and you kind of see uh, David celebrating and exalting this victory that God has done and praising him for it, and then asking God to continue to deliver him. And so many think that that it is a, uh, a response to the death of Goliath. Others think that this death of the sun, it's kind of weird, it's like a song written to the beat, death of the sun. Whatever that means, I don't know how to interpret that. I don't know exactly how that works. If David had a certain, I don't know, rhythm or certain way of writing to write to the death of the sun, I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm just telling you what the scholars say. Okay? Let's pray and ask God to bless this study. Father, I need you. I can't live without you. And I ask that you speak through your word powerfully. Would you peel back the heart of the psalmist and help us to see yours? Just how he cherishes you and how he looks to you. The man after your own heart, Paul called him. David. One who has been up and down, left and right who has been king over Israel, Lord, who fell in a misery, killed a man, murder and adultery on his hands, who was a boy, shepherd, the little runt of the family, chosen to be lifted up. Help us to learn from him. Help us to find ourselves in the psalm tonight, Father. 
further your kingdom through this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 9. I love the Psalms. I'm like so fired up about this. Get ready. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. And I wrote, yes and amen right there after that. Yes and amen. Why? Did you hear that? I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Whole. Whole heart means what? Whole heart, everything. But that almost means that you could praise God with what? Half your heart? Interesting. Half yourself, half your being? 90%? Whole heart. Whole heart. And you can look into people, you know who is set apart and has a whole heart towards God and one who doesn't. I remember talking about this a little while before. That there are just different levels of Christian almost. Christians where you see people who, yes, they give their heart to the Lord, but they don't give everything. They can't give everything. They think there's certain things. God has their lives to a certain degree, but they kind of hold on to the steering wheel at certain places. A whole heart set apart before God, I believe is a pure heart set apart before God. A whole heart set apart before God is one that worships God in everything that He does. Everything. Everything. What do you do all day? What do you do? Worshiping God in everything you do. You know, when I used to go to the gym, I used to wear these crazy (laughs) t-shirts. Me and my buddy Jeremy used to make these crazy i mean we, we we literally were trying to just i mean we are freaks and i probably need to get back to that but freaks for jesus we made these shirts that said this no sex wait for marriage bam like big bold like right in your face it was this i'm dead serious no sex wait for marriage in small print there at the bottom i'm serious and i would wear this in the gym we'd be pumping it and guys would just be like you're crazy i mean people would walk up and just be like oh my we wore shirts that said virgin pride. Loud. I mean, we we went a little far. Yeah, a little far. We did one that said, give me back my rainbow. It was really bad, you know, but I, I just, and I shouldn't even, it's, it's, it's too far. We wouldn't do that now. It's just like, a, it's kind of offensive. It's kind of putting down. But, I mean, we would wear these loud shirts to make a statement. And, um, <laughs> I mean, that was pretty set apart and definitely I always felt like in those times even in wearing that stuff and like we were trying so hard pressing forward all the time to be holy set apart for God giving it doesn't matter where we went we were going to represent Christ no matter where and we need to get in that mindset that is what David has here having his whole heart given to God is a place where you are seriously set apart. When you have your whole heart set apart for a girl or a guy, oh, yeah, you know. You know when you first start hanging out with them or sitting down, you go out for eat. That's all you can talk. Your friends are just like, stop talking about them. You know, you sit down, you get something to eat. Oh, Joey likes cheese. (laughs) It's like, what? Joey likes cheese. Okay, I really don't care about Joey. Yeah, Susie did that once way back when she was telling me about that the other day. It's just like, all right, guy, get over it. You have, I mean, to be completely set apart, I mean, wholly dedicated to a person, you see it. I mean, it's true. Goo goo gaga. 
And I really feel like that's how David was with Jesus. That's how he was. I could see David just walking around just thinking about the Lord. I mean, the guy dancing in his underwear. Remember that? He came back from me. He's like, I don't care. I don't care what any of you think. I'll be even more undignified than this. I will take it to the next level with my walk with God because, hey, I'm down to be a fool for Him. And when you see a guy in love, it's just so funny. You see him talking on the phone. It's like time to get off the phone. He doesn't want to be clowned in front of his guys. So he's like, okay, love you, baby. Bye. <laughs> they hang up all fast. What did you say? And she's like, no, just stay on the phone with me for a little while longer. But I already said bye, and the guys are like looking at me now. It goes on longer. Come on, talk sweet to me. Be nice to me. And there he is trying to do it in front of his guys. So funny. So hilarious. I just love it. I can see David just not giving a rip. What anybody thought when he talks to the phone, talks on the phone to the king, it's like his whole heart, I will praise thee with my whole heart. And I will show forth all of your marvelous works. That's what we're called to. That is our mission, to show forth the works of God to this world. That is what I've always desired. Is to I wish I had a flag that I could raise so high for everybody to see how great God is. I wish I had a megaphone so I could testify to the world how great God is. I mean, when I preach the gospel and I'm doing like an evangelical message, giving people an opportunity to come to Christ, I just basically say to them, like, you know what? You don't want Jesus? You're full, man. He is the greatest king ever. It is the greatest life you can ever. And you don't. And then I list off all the things that God comes gives to offer and what kind of life he establishes for a person. It's like, you don't want that? You're bad. You're bad. I'll take that from you because you don't deserve it. And you should be so happy and glad that God would even offer you that life. You don't want it? Get out of here, man. It's like, go live in the world. Go experience that. And when you're ready to come back, don't slap God in the face. Don't play tug-of-war with God. It's so funny when, like, even... I'm telling you, be careful. You try to convince somebody to come to Jesus? Convince them of what? There's no convincing needed. It's so amazing what He's done and how far He's gone. It's like, you don't want that? Peace. You're bad, man. That's sad. I'm not saying we don't plead with people. What I'm saying is is that the riches and the works are so marvelous that we should be displaying them continually. How do we do that? By displaying the works in our own lives. The love of God. You guys know this well, because I preach it every week. The love, the love, the love is the one thing on this earth that changes a person radically right there in an instant. If you show the love of God to a person, they can't be the same. They're, they're freaked out. They don't know what to do. Why are you doing this? You've gone too far. They don't know how to handle it. They're so blown away. And that's what we're called to. To show thy marvelous works, as David says. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Did you hear that? I will sing praise to, my na- to his name, the most high. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. A lot of times when people worship, they're just like, what is glad? What is happy? 
I exhorted the brothers a little while back. Those of you who are leaders anywhere and those of you who have been walking with Christ, shame on you if you're not lifting your hands to the King. Worship God and adore Him. Shame on you if you don't feel caught to dance or to even spend time before the King and worship. It's like, hey, I'm not saying you've got to be a freak and make a big scene. No. But hello, it's like, has our God not done great things in our lives? Do we not have much to praise Him for? Well, I don't feel like it. What? Even if we don't feel like it, we worship the Lord anyways because He's worthy. It's like the dictator who walks by, but the complete opposite. Everyone bows to Him because they're in fear of Him and they will worship Him regardless. But Jesus, hey, is He a king to be feared? Absolutely. But is He not the greatest king ever, the most gracious? Our king died for us so we could come in after we've committed treason. What a great God. And so he deserves to be worshipped. And every time I've been trying to make it, doesn't matter what, where I'm at, doesn't matter what I'm doing, even in my car, I've been trying to make a dedication to the Lord to say, I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. I will lift my hands, I will clap my hands in the car, and the people looking next to me like, you are crazy. It doesn't matter. I'll be even more indignified than this. Don't crash. (laughs) Isn't this Bluetooth stuff so lame? It's like, man, my Bluetooth is like... (sighs) just gets in the way. But I'm telling you that I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's like these kind of rules that come down on us. What if there comes a day when we can't even worship God? What if there comes a day when you lift hands or you celebrate? I mean, you can't do it anymore. It's like... (sighs) What's going to happen? But one thing I think we see in every single man in the Bible that's great, every single person, one thing that they did and they were set apart in it is they worshipped the living God. And it was not only just a song that they sang, but it was their lives that they were dedicated to. Giving everything, a life that they were dedicated to, worship. I want to read that again. I want you to listen closely to the psalmist. I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. I will, I will, I will. Can we say that together? I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. Can we say that together? Let's say it. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. Again. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. I will. Sometimes you got to command yourself. Because guess what? You don't want to do it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul I will make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will bless Him at all times. There's great lessons to be learned there. Let's move on verse 3 here. Huh? When my enemies are turned back... They shall fall and perish at thy presence. Oh, see, this is just so thick. I'm going to have a hard time teaching through this stuff. When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Stop there. Look at what confidence the psalmist speaks about his enemies, against his enemies. 
You God, you put him down. It's no big, they're going to be dropped. He's probably just dropped Goliath. And he's sitting there just blown away like, there's nothing going to come against me that can stop me. All of my enemies, all of my foes, they will fall. And the same is true with the enemy, Lucifer. You've got to know that he's defeated, man. He's already knocked down. All he's trying to do now is just trying to rip off as much as he can before his time's up. You can look at him as a defeated foe. Oh, that's cute. Trying to tempt me again. Oh, that's cute. Trying to uh, snatch my joy away. Ain't going to do it. You, you're not going to do it. The enemy has been trying to snatch my joy away these last couple weeks. Mm. Trying to rip me off. And it's like, I mean, many times I just want to yell at the enemy to be honest, but the Bible tells us not to do that. You can say, Lord, rebuke thee, and he can do nothing. But I'm telling you that you need to have confidence in your walk with God and your power over sin. The fact that you don't have to live the lifestyle that you live if you don't want to. You can walk in victory day in and day out of your life. I love what authority. He just says, thou hast rebuked the heathen. The world that puts you down, the world that mocks and laughs, the world that doesn't get it. Maybe there's family members who just ridicule you about your faith. The Lord is rebuked. It's taken care of. You don't need to fight that roar. Did you know that? I think many times I feel like that. I always want to stand up, pull the sword, and start fighting. I'm going to own that. I'm going to take that. The Lord fights for me. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. He is the one who does the work. He is the one who pulls through. Trust in Him. He will fight for you. Verse 6, O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. Love that. Now it's destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them, but the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared His throne for judgment. Verse 8, And He shall judge the world in righteousness, and He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Hmm. Verse 9, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know Thy name will put their trust in Thee, for Thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek Thee. Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion, declares among the people His doings. Look at verse 9 again. It's power. Did you see that? The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Many of you need to underline that. Because guess what? Times of trouble are coming for you. Just warning you. Me too. But what? The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. These teachings never get old. You will never stop hearing a pastor teach these kind of things. The Lord being a refuge for the oppressed. That means the Lord being the helper. The one that is there that will take care of the oppressed, the person who is burdened down, going through a hard time. Things aren't the best. And the truth is, is this is a lesson for us 
week in and week out. Why? Because either we know somebody who's going through something that is oppressed, or we are the ones being oppressed. There's nothing more powerful than you sitting in your room by yourself and reading something like this when you're in a bad time. That's why devotion, that's why time with God by yourself is important. I will never stop preaching that to you as well. Get alone with Jesus by yourself. If you haven't been with the Lord by yourself in a while, you're in trouble. Get with Him. Get alone. Take a walk. Get alone with God. That is where change happens. I love what a guy named Bill Johnson would say about the Psalms. He says, when something wasn't right in his heart, listen, when something wasn't settled in his life, what does that mean? Like maybe there's some things right now inside that you're just wondering about. Maybe there's some things inside, maybe some sin. Maybe there's some things inside that you're just not settled about. You're just hurting and just trying to figure it out. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe a friend's, I don't know what, a relationship. Something's not settled inside of you. He said he would do this. He would start reading the Psalms, reading the Psalms. And he'd read chapter after chapter until he saw himself there in the Psalm and he found rest. And he'd read until he found rest, talked it over with God, and had peace with God. There are many Christians walking around where there are little things in their life that they're not sure about. And they walk around just wondering all the time, just walking around just like not at peace, not at complete peace inside. And God promises that to you, I hope you know. Peace. And I can testify that true in my life. I know that if I go and spend time right now, if I walk out and go and spend time with the Lord until I find peace in Him, I'll be set free. I know if I go and do that, I will be free. And I will walk around fine, focused, ready to move on, ready to execute. You want to know why retreats are so powerful? It's because that's what that is. You go up on a mountain and what do you do? You seek the peace of God. You go up there and you get things right. You sit there until you figure it out. And many of you need to do that. Maybe tonight. You need to go home and you need to talk it over with the king until it's settled. Until you can see clearly. You know what's going on. Don't let him go. Remember Jacob? I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Not until you bless me. Sometimes we need to take that approach with the Father. We need to go and get away. Don't let it be timed. That's why Shabbat is so sweet. A day of rest. You get away and you spend time with God. Get all the issues and things going on. Settled and worked out in your mind and your heart and have peace. Did you hear that word clearly, guys? Family? Many of you in here tonight need to go home and get something settled. Because you're oppressed. And guess what? The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. Verse 10, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, declares among the people of his doings. Verse 12, When he maketh inquisition, inquisition, I'm sorry, for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the 
what? Humble. He forgets not the cry of who? The humble. The humble. Oh man, that's a full sermon. He forgets not the cry of the humble. God says what? I resist the proud, but what? Give grace to who? The humble. The humble, the humble. How do you get humble? Well, I don't know if you can try to get humble. I don't know if that's even humble in itself. It is something that God works in you through walking with Him. You can't be saying, I've been working uh, for the last month on getting humble. Okay. I don't know if there is a dose or a medicine that you can take and drink down. It is God working it in you. I think it's asking, Father, humble me. If you say something like that, I think you're working on getting humbled. But if you ask something like that, you're in for it. Oh, man. How did the shepherd humble the sheep that runs off all the time? He breaks his legs and picks up the sheep and wraps it around his shoulders and carries that sheep until the legs are healed, takes the sheep off his shoulders, and the sheep will never depart from him ever again. It'll stay by his side because it was healed very close to the shepherd. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, this humble thing has not been an easy journey for me. And I can't I say that I eat humble pie all the time. Brian knows. But I'm saying this, that if you don't have, have a heart to be humbled, he says he forgets not the cry of the humble. And so guess what? The one who's not humble... He forgets that cry. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if you want to be humbled, get ready. I'm just telling you. I mean, one of the most humble men I know is John Corson. And the way that he was humbled, he lost his wife and he lost his daughter. And he's a broken man, very joyful man, very sincere and dedicated, but just has so much power and authority But when you talk to him, he just gets down on your level and just acts like you were the biggest thing in the world to him. It's just amazing. You see that in some people. Others, hey, they just bask in their own glory. A humble man knows when to speak. A humble woman knows when to be quiet. A humble person sits back and watches and does not act quickly ever. Very precise. Very meek and mild. A humble person will never lash out in anger. A humble person definitely is one that you know has spent time with the Father because they can't get that way unless they have. That's it. That's the kind of people God is looking for. And Jesus, was he not the most humble man to ever walk the earth? Mm. The great king of all glory came down to what? Became a homeless man. (laughs) He forgets not the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord, verse 13. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, 
that I may show forth all thy praises in the gates of daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. I love that kind of stuff. How many of you guys, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but just how many of you journal in here? You should really be journaling. If you don't, it's very important. Very important that you journal. Just journal a couple times a week if you can. But write things like this. I love the psalmist. Take this, I don't know what this is, just this tack from him. He says, I will all the time. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will rejoice in your salvation. I will praise thy name forever. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will, I will, I will. I think we need to be writing these kind of things down because, man, when you write that there in your journal, hey, you feel dedicated. It's like, man, you go back and read it and you recognize whether or not you've been a man or a woman that says, I will. But I will rejoice in his salvation. Family, we need to learn to encourage ourselves, okay? you got to learn this on your own. People aren't always going to be there for you. And what happens if the world forsakes you? Who's going to encourage you? Yes, the Father will be there too. But I remember a passage, David, there saying in Second uh, Samuel, I believe it is, he says, it says there, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And we need to learn and understand how to be encouraging ourselves daily. Because, hey, when sometimes you're at work, you got nobody to talk to, and you're just ticked because of something, or you're just feeling down, or whatever. You need to know how to encourage yourself. Pick up your spirits. Pick up your countenance. Remember, God told Cain, don't let your countenance fall. Remember, he did. He let his countenance fall. He had an opportunity to lift his countenance, and you do too every single day. I mean, one of the greatest things that you can do, I always tell people when you're down and bummed out, sing a song. He's given you what? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A garment of what? Praise to put on. Put on that sweater of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That is a way, that is a way that you can lift your own spirits is by praising God when you don't feel like it. Okay? I do it all the time. It's like I'm sitting there in my car. I'm just like, dude, ugh. Okay, that's it. I need a dose. Click on the radio and just start going for it, man. You just got to start praising God. Even there, on, it doesn't matter where I'm at, at church. It's so easy to not praise God at church because you heard the song a bunch of times. So easy to not celebrate. And maybe you're just sitting there in the zone. There it is. There is the opportunity to praise God and to lift up His name. And you're just like, yeah. There's the opportunity to be encouraged and to be motivated. Nope. There's the opportunity to encourage yourself and put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you say, nah, do my own thing. I will. I will, I will, I will. You know when people were baptized back in the day, like say the Jordan River, they would stand there. The Jordan River was a public place. People are fishing, washing their clothes, taking baths. A public place, when they were to be baptized for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's almost like standing up in public. And before they would be dunked, you know what they would do? They would proclaim that they're a follower of Jesus Christ or a follower of God making a dedication to God. They would testify. And that's a powerful thing. Why? Because think about it. If you stand in front of people and say, I will follow Christ the rest of my life. I will follow Jesus. You go on record. You're in. Man, you're on record, and then you get dunked right there in front of everybody. But think about it even within your own lives, within your own friends, looking them in the face and saying, I will. 
do this. The psalmist is going on record time and time again with his songs. I love it. Verse 15, we're going to close it down. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made, and the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Oh, man. See, gosh, there's just so much stuff in these psalms. Do you see that one? Can you see that? Look, he says, The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made, and the net which they hid is their own foot taken. It's speaking like this. The person who walks in the world, they're digging a hole for themselves to fall in. They're setting up a trap to get caught in. It's like if you uh, set up a bear trap and you know exactly where it's at. And you're like, okay, here we go. And you start walking. And you step in your own trap. It's like, you fool. It's like you dig a big hole. You know exactly where it's at to catch somebody else, right? To get somebody else to fall in. And you fall in it. And who does it say that is? The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. And the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Sin will destroy you. Sin will help you to fall in the pit. And sin will help your foot to be taken. Just know it. There's got to be willpower in a Christian's life. There's got to be self-control. Teach us, Father. Self-control. I heard a message uh, just a couple days ago. I was listening. Need to be encouraged. And it was perfect for me. It said this. I many times, I say this exact phrase. Like I'll say, God, please, Father, don't... Tempt me. Don't allow me to be tempted. Don't allow my mind to go there. Don't allow my body to want that. Give me self-control. When I want to do something, I want to be able to do it. I want to be able to do what I say. And I pray. I would pray that. Don't tempt me. Don't allow these things to happen to me. Don't allow the enemy to come close to me. And the guy right there rebuked me like right through his sermon. He's like, don't pray that. Don't ever pray, God, don't tempt me. Don't pray that you say, God, give me self-control. Give me wisdom. To endure temptation and to endure trial and hard times. And that is what we ought to be praying. Because guess what? It's going to come. And that is the one thing with the heath. I mean, you see it. Those of you who were once in the dark and now can see clearly, go look. Just go look outside. Just go watch people who are in the world and how they act. You can see it's clear. They're continuing to run in things of the world and they just get messed up time and time again, huh? Over and over and over, same thing. And then look at your own lives. When you dig a hole, what do you do? You fall in it. When you set up a trap, you're dead men. Don't allow yourself to do that. Remember, I think it was Ravi that was speaking, Ravi Zacharias. He, he was talking about a line being drawn in a believer's life that is never to be passed. And I don't know what that means for you, a standard set in your own life. Don't impress it on other people. But Billy Graham set up one and he said, I will never be in a room by myself with a woman. Never. Ever, ever unless my wife. Never. It will never happen in all of my career. There's like four big things that he laid down, rules for his own life and for the guys that were sitting there next to him. And they have kept integrity and character even to this day one of the most respected men on this earth right now. He's met more presidents and been in contact with more leaders, more people. Larry King Live loves him. I mean, it's like, I mean, just all of the people just love Billy Graham. He's just a great man. They don't look, there's no negative towards him. What is it? Who can point the finger at the man? What is it? 
Anybody got dirt on him? It's like, he loves God. He loves God. He's preached the gospel. Yeah, sure, maybe there's small things that he's messed up in here and there. But the truth is, he has a life that is set apart for the world to see. No man can point the finger. And he set a line before him and said, I'll never cross that line. Can you think about that? What if you were going to have to be a speaker that would travel the world? How many people, how many times would the enemy try to probably strike you down and throw things in your path to ruin you? He set a pass so that he would never fall into that pit, so that he would never be taken by that trap. You understand? The heathen's taken by it every day. They don't understand. But you do. Stay far from it. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. Oh, I like that. The wicked is snared in his work of his own hands. Higayon, which means if you see, if you have King James, you'll see in the margin it says the word there, Higayon, means to what? Meditate or meditation. And then it says Selah. And when David, when he's writing the word Selah there, it always means to stop and think about what's being written. Stop and think. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. That's so true. And the wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Yep. I was talking with somebody just the other day, and I remember we were just talking about how it's so funny how people in the world, they just keep doing, falling into things, and they can't even see that it's their own hands doing it to them. Their own lives are so messed up. Why? Because they did it to themselves. You know, and they just blame it on everybody else. Isn't it crazy? We do that sometimes as well. He says it is the wicked's hand that ruins himself. Let's close this up. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let the man prevail, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. What a powerful closing. It says the man who forgets God will what? Go to hell. <laughs> I didn't say it, David did. That's pretty powerful. You know, there's a lot of preachers in these days that are scared to tell people that. And um, the sad thing is, is it's the real truth. Uh-oh. What if somebody gets on the other side and says, well, the pastor told me he didn't ever talked about hell. He never talked about that place. Look, God did not create hell to send people there. He created it for what? The Bible tells us for the devil and his fallen angels. Do people go there? Yes. Sad. It's people who forget God. You say, man, that's cruel. How could God do such a thing? Send people to hell? What a wicked God. Man, who wants to serve that God? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God said, over my dead body you're going to hell. I died for you. I built a bridge for you to get to heaven just by believing. You don't have to do anything. It's not by works. You just simply believe and you get heaven. It's not too hard of a thing to do, is it? Wow. Abraham believed and it was counted to him what? Righteousness. <laughs> he didn't do anything. He just believed. God is giving out heaven like free popcorn. I mean, it's like, anybody want it? 
Anybody, anybody. Any, anybody want heaven? Anybody want heaven? Anybody? If you want it, you can have it. It's free. And people choose to shake their fists at God. How could you send people to hell? Whoa, you send yourself to hell, man. It's your choice. God is reaching out. He's saying this. I laid down my life for you so that you could get to heaven. Then on top of that, I'm going to give you life in that abundantly. I'm going to give you promises. I'm going to cause all things to work together for good in your life. I'm going to give you peace that surpasses understanding. You can cast your burden upon me and receive rest. I'm going to cause all things to work together for good. Every good and perfect gift from God is above, comes from above, the Father of lights. It comes continually in our lives. I, I just look at... He comes to give us life in that abundantly. I mean, like, the deal does not make sense. And the man that forgets God, yeah, he goes to hell. And David cries out and says, Deliver me and deliver the nation from the wicked. Strike them down, Father. And maybe you're thinking, man, that's a little harsh there to close with, David. Come on, man. The wicked give the birdie to God and say, You know what? Your salvation is whack. And your blood is nothing to me. I spit on it. It means nothing to me. I don't care that you died and I don't care that you rose again. I'm going to live my life for myself. I don't care that you've even given me this joy and this pleasure that I do experience. I don't want you, God, and I don't want to have anything. Get out of my face. If that's what you... The Father will wipe you off the face of the earth. If that is what a man desires... It is His loving kindness that draws a man to repentance. And God is a God of love looking down and saying, I so badly want these people in here. He takes no pleasure in what? The death of the wicked. And He desires that what? That all would come to repentance. It's a message that we must preach to the nations and to the people. We must. We live in a wicked nation today, family. And if we don't do something, who's going to? We've got to minister to our families. We've got to reach out. We've got to be doing what? Things like the psalmist does to give you freedom, to give you life, to restore your life, and then to see the enemy be struck down, the righteous be pulled up, people ministered to and blessed because of the way that you live. Just like the psalmist. Isn't it amazing how he went through hard times too? He had hard times, he had good times, up and down, left and right. Sounds like us. God wants to do work in you just like he has in the psalmist, just like David. And I'm telling you, listen, listen please. That even these great men we see in the Bible, I don't think they're that far from us. I think they're real people. When you pinch them, they said, ow. They like to take naps. They love food. They're real people. But they just simply said, God, I give you my life. I'll do whatever it takes. And God wants to do that in us tonight, amen? He's got a work to do. Don't forget the things that I've taught you, family. Don't forget that you are to be establishing the kingdom as it is now, taking care of the people and to be furthering it, going out into your world and furthering it day in and day out. Okay? 
<sighs> I could literally, I know I, it's kind of exhaustive, but I could just live in the Psalms. Like, it just gives me life. It, it's just like fresh air in my nostrils. And um, I think it probably is my favorite book. And so that's why uh, it's going to be a long five months. But I tell you this, I would encourage you as we read through this book to really glean from it, really spend time breaking it down and looking at it, the little things. Many times I'll just read five verses and I'm just full. I just can't, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like, wow, you're spiritual, Josh, you read five verses. No, no, it's like, seriously, if you just look at this simple principle that he's trying to say, you can meditate on all day. You can sit there and just be like, it's crazy. I'm going to have a whole heart set apart to you. Like that first verse we read, right? You can really chew on it. And so let's do that together. Let me pray for you. Let me pray. Mm. Oh, Father. Father, David is there with you now, isn't he? Tell him we said hi. Father, we desire to have hearts like the psalmist. Ones that hate wickedness. I mean hate it with a passion. When the TV comes on, we just can't stand it. When people say things and, and mock you and laugh at you, Father, we just it just kills us inside. Lord, we desire hearts that want to serve you and praise your name at all times. And Lord, these here tonight, I truly believe that they want that, that they really desire to be set apart. They really desire a word from you. Every day as they open the word, the Bible. And so, Father, I just ask that your spirit would continue to minister to them as they go away tonight. And that they would be ones that say, here I am, I'm ready to be used. They would be ones that, hey Lord, are celebrating you all day long. They would be ones that, hey, are hating wickedness and hey, speaking straight truth to the heathen God with love. Mm. Please help us, Lord. We really sincerely can't do it without you. Lord, I know there's many needs here tonight. People are hurting. Would you take care of them? You say that you take care of the oppressed. You're the refuge for them. And I pray as they cry out to you that you would deliver them. And Lord, I know there's many here tonight that need to go and spend time by themselves and get something settled in their hearts tonight. And I pray, Father, that they would be set free in that time with you. They would get that settled. They would get it figured out. They would have peace. They'd have direction. They would have vision. Help them. Bless your people. Bless your people. Love you, Lord. Your your blessing, man. You're so awesome, King. Bless your people. Amen. Amen. Amen.